You're listening to Riverview Church Conversations, a podcast for the spiritually curious. Well, hello, podcast friends. Welcome back to the Riverview Church Conversations podcast. You are here with me. My name is still Ryan, and I am joined by You my, haven't changed it yet. I haven't changed it. By deed poll. I like not, Ryan. Thank you. I'm not sure about my own. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm here Off with my friends, uh, Reese and Julia. Hello, Hello Reese. Guys. Hello, Julia. Hello. Hello. How's it going, Jules? Good. Having a good week. That's good. It's very, we're recording in a little room. It's very gloomy outside. It is very gloomy. But hopefully you don't get that through our voices. Hopefully we'll brighten your day. The room we're sitting in is like a counselling room, isn't it? So it's very calm and peaceful. <laughs> I do feel, and I'm on the big couch here. And there's so a, uh, yeah, yeah, like a, 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 an eagle, a winged eagle glass <laughs> statue over there on the window. So it's, ins- like, it's very peaceful. It inspires you to, to greater heights. Oh, it just makes me want to worship. Oh, Ooh, that's well, a great segue. It is, it is. Well, <laughs> welcome back. If you're joining with us for the first time, uh, hello. This is a podcast we do just to chat about all things life and faith. And today we're having a little bit of a conversation around all things worship, particularly having a conversation around reframing what worship is. Is worship more than a 15-minute slot on a Sunday gathering or uh, a genre of music. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it's not, but we'll we'll have that conversation today. And we're going to be joined a little bit later by uh, Pastor, Doctor, Reverend, Reverend <laughs> Steve VIP McCready. Guest. Maybe yes. we could get a sting later for when we get Steve. Anyway, we'll, we can sort that out An in Irish the post one. edits. Yes, <laughs> but I, actually, I think it's his first. It's his first time on the podcast. It is. So um, when we do later interview him, you know, make sure you get your claps together and welcome him to the podcast. He'll be nervous. He'll be so nervous. I don't think I've ever seen him nervous. Really? Uh no, I don't think so. He's good at he's good at hiding it. Yeah, he does. Anyway, look, icebreaker. <laughs> I normally, you know, throw a bit of an icebreaker out. What is the greatest? You know, talking about worship, and it's probably more than just music. But what is the greatest worship song? Amazing grace. <laughs> oh, that is a great song. That is a great. It's a good rendition. That'll never that die. Well. That when you get the complaints about uh, modern worship music, people are like, "Oh, I just love the old ones, like Amazing Grace." Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's the nineties that brought out. Is it the nineties? Yeah, nineties were a good. The nineties was a good, good decade for worship. Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Shout to. The Lord. I mean, that, that is that is the most like. Sold and played worship song of all time. Is it? Right? Like I'm pretty sure it is. Well, it's, there you go, guys. It would be I know my stuff. It's very tied to an era, though. Songs like uh, "Amazing Grace," even though it's like you know hundreds of years old. Um, some songs have that timeless quality that mm, are not. They do. That, and they're the ones that we kind of keep on doing. Whereas it, at Riverview Church a little while ago, we did "Shout to the Lord," and it was a oh, hand I raiser. Bet it was. The people loved it. But afterwards, <laughs> I was like. Have I stepped through a portal into <laughs> yeah, 1993? Yeah, yeah. Let's not do that one again quite Some so classic soon. hymns. Like, I love Be Thou My Vision. Oh, yeah. oh, that's a classic. Give us a oh, bit of that. No, I don't. don't <laughs> <you> can't <laughs> now, the other song, that right, one growing up, this is not necessarily the greatest worship song of all time, but it, but it confused the heck out of me as a youngster. I was telling Reese the other day, there is a song called My Redeemer Lives. You know that song? Yes, My yes. Redeemer Lives. So I, I grew up. I grew up as a kid. I remember hearing that song probably when I was, you know, I don't know, six, seven. What confused and, you about and, that? And I thought the lyrics were Murray Deemer. 
like a person called Murray Deemer. Who's Murray? I thought Jesus Murray Deemer was like Jesus' brother or uh, something. And then like, he lives. Yeah. There's probably and someone in the, in the Newcastle phone book who's called Murray Deemer. Murray. Called up. He's <laughs> loving it. Still. Anyway, I was... I remember having a moment where I recognised when I read the lyrics on the oh screen that God. it was my How redeemer. Old How uh, old were you? I was probably eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> my oh, whole it's life. Sense like, now. My theology is that What's you know, that, um, uh, that you would bear Mike Ross. <laughs> yeah, there are Mike Ross. There are certain unhearable things <laughs> when in worship that just stick with you, like another in the fire. Great song. Well done, Hillsong Worship. I believe it was. A nugget in the fryer. I mean, every There's time we sing that song, I am thinking fryer. about McDonald's 24 Are you packs really of worshiping Ryan at this point? <laughs> I, I actually, I'm probably worshiping more than I normally would. <laughs> Do you know the there's nuggets. a new one that's come out and it sounds like Benny and the Jets? I can't. <laughs> Do you know which one I'm talking about? It's no, like but Benny, I love Benny and, and the, the Jets. Jets. You know, I, I try and remember it, but it's a new one that's come out and I cannot get Benny and the Jets out of my head. Well, like, so this, this, we're so deep in like, popular music culture now after however many decades of, you know, globalization that you can't help but associate songs be informed by other songs yes. and you're like, I know this one. It's because there's yeah, millions yeah, and millions yeah. of songs yes. that have all been kind oh, of, yeah. you know, you're all swimming in the same soup. Yeah, nothing totally. new under the sun. Right? Swimming, doing backstroke poorly in a sea of musical mediocrity. One wow, that is, a, that is a good little line <laughs> right there. Reese Michelle. Um, you know what? If you're listening to this and you have a funny lyric in a worship song. Can you actually please let us yeah, know? Yeah. Email podcast at riverviewchurch.com. We'll share them next time. I believe they're called Mondegreens. Misheard Ooh. lyrics. Mondegreens. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yes. Gosh, come Which is also, that was like a poem. I remember that. That was a poem that um, back in ye olden days, someone, uh, popular culture thought it was a misheard kind of, they, they thought whatever the lyric was, it was Mondegreen. Ah. It's supposed, to, uh, oh, supposed to be something okay. like upon the green, but everyone thought it was Mondegreen in this right. poem. And so oh, it's kind okay. of the, so the, the name weird. stuck. And worship music is not immune to having misheard lyrics. Do you know what would be really cool on this podcast is like having a deck and actually playing music, like worship music. Oh, a little no, DJ. We could, you, we could probably, uh, I'll edit them. I'll put them in. <laughs> yeah, you could put some tasters of the things that and we've mentioned. And now shout to the Lord. Murray Dean. <laughs> Murray <laughs> Dean. Hey, 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 don't put it, I mean, you can hear it there. Who it's knows Murray where Deemer. this will go? Listen, Who knows? worship, we know that worship is not a genre. It's a lifestyle. Is it not? Well. That's what we're unpacking today, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, someone tell <laughs> me, please. Don't open the can of words. Please well. tell me. No, but, I mean, we're going to have a, a whole conversation about it. But the challenge yes. is if worship is more than a genre of music or a moment in a gathering, we need to find new language for <laughs> <laughs> that moment in a gathering or a genre. Yes. Like, I mean, growing up, also the idea of gospel music was yeah. the, the equivalent. It wasn't just a certain type of worship music. I feel like it was broader. But I feel like we're very limited in language. And so part of the conversation today is, I think, exploring where we get stuck in language and sometimes what that does to us if, you know, the way that we think about worship we is it. just a, a moment on a Sunday And gathering. some of it is even more, it's like another layer from there. Within the worship, there's... Praise and worship. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And praise is the up songs and worship is the the ballads. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah, what's, what's like, with that? Yeah. What's with that? I think we should probably be a little more thoughtful than that, eh? Hey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be thoughtful today. And so without further ado, we're going to uh, throw to our conversation that we had with Pastor, Doctor, the Mr. Steve McCready.
Well, we are joined here by Dr. Stephen McCray. Steve, what's your, do you have a middle name? Thomas, like a uh, tank engine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely remember that yeah. now. <laughs> so we're joined here by Dr. Stephen Thomas McCready. Any other hidden names anywhere in there as well? No. I mean, I have this nickname that I had at school, at high school. Yeah. Uh-oh. It was Krusty. Krusty. Oh, Dr. Krusty McCready. Why? Why? Okay, so, Why? I mean, it was one there. of those really frustrating ones that just stuck. It was around the time that The Simpsons were doing oh, their thing. Oh, yeah. Krusty the Clown. Krusty the Clown. But we, it was also, we were on a rugby tour and we were playing a rugby match and one of the guys in the other team, it was like a doppelganger and he looked like me and his nickname was Rusty. And so they're like, well, we can't call you Rusty. And someone said, well, let's call you Krusty. And it was on a like a rugby bus on the way home. And I thought I'll be forgotten by Monday morning. But actually, no, that was it for it's like the next seven years of my life. It's so it followed you all the way to Australia yeah, now. But just very much within the rugby context. So even to this day, if I, we were back in Ireland. Yeah. And we went to like watch a, uh, an Ulster rugby match or an Ireland rugby match. I'd see a bunch of guys that I played rugby with over the years and they'd be like, hey, Krusty. There you go. So, <laughs> that's so, not where I thought that was going. Yeah. I thought it was going to be <laughs> yeah. much worse than that. I feel like that's the, the hard thing. With, never, they're never forgotten. No, it's They're true. always retained there. It's true. I had like a really embarrassing email. It was like, Crustinator at hotmail.com oh, or yes. something like that. But then I'm so I'm so old I can still remember getting my first email and that was a thing. So Wow. Oh look, I think on some episode at some point in the podcast we did an icebreaker question about your embarrassing email growing up. Because everyone had one, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. it's That's not, good to know. Uh, mine was Ryanator eight eight eight. Oh the Ryanator and the Crustinator. We were we were destined. That's to, right. To That's do right. This How, good. How good. Well, hey, thanks for joining. This is the first time you've been on the podcast. It is, and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Like before we moved to Australia, I had spent so much time getting to know you guys through the podcast, and that Mm. gave me a real sense of the leadership heart of Riverview and a little bit of the conversations that you were engaging in. Well, I hope you weren't listening too closely to what we were saying. No, no, I really enjoyed it, and I can still I can still recall lots of those moments. Actually, one of the highlights for me was one particular podcast that you guys did. We invited a couple of the young people in. Oh yeah, had a conversation with them. That was that was really neat. There you go. Really telling, and it's kind of cool getting to do it with Julia as well. This is cool, guys. I'm, I'm blushing. Oh. I mean, I always look red because I'm so pale, <laughs> but I'm blushing. Well, hey, thanks for joining with us. And we we had talked before this conversation about how we're having a bit of a conversation about worship and how we might reframe worship in order that we actually might become better followers of Jesus. And you've graciously said yes to to joining with us for the chat and the conversation. And, uh, you know, that's because you are the expert worshipper, Steve. uh, Of course. No, (laughs) absolutely not. But obviously I have a vested interest in this conversation. I am a worshipper, just like like you guys. And so, yeah, let's get to it. Let's dive in and have a conversation. I think that's important to say right off the bat. It is just a conversation and we're not laying out a, you know, plan of attack or anything like that, but just, you know, wrestling with this, I guess, publicly with yeah, each other, yeah, which is yeah. a good thing. Well, I, I mean, maybe as a starting point, just this last week, did a little bit of a case study just to, just to you know, gauge where people were in their understanding of what worship is. And I asked a couple of people, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you, when I say worship? And I would say of the, you know, four or five people I mentioned, four or five of them, majority of them, you know, what came to mind is is a song, a, a particular song of worship, whether yeah. it be Shout to the Lord or <laughs> other absolute classics. <laughs> and uh, it, it really had me thinking that so much of our understanding of what worship is, 
is shaped around a particular um, expression, whether that be, you know, singing or music or um, a little CD that you put in your car that's that's called worship. But can we just can we just talk a little bit about that? Like what what is worship? Like I don't know if you have an awesome definition, Steve, of what worship is, but like what is worship? Is it more than just that song moment? Because I'm I'm pretty sure it has to be, right? Yeah, look, for me, I came to the game pretty late, right? And so I was like an adult when I became a Christian. So I had, you know, a good chunk of my life where worship wasn't even a word that was of any relevance to me whatsoever. And then as an almost 18-year-old becoming a follower of Jesus, I went from not being engaged at all to like in at the deep end, right? Like so straight into life in church, doing life with other Christians and particularly going to worship on Sundays. You know, that was so all of a sudden there was new language that I was learning and the language of worship was obviously part of that. And I think that is important to get to grips with in any conversation is like trying to define terms Mm -hmm. a little bit. What do we mean when we mean worship? And that's just going to be problematic for us because even the three of us sitting here probably have a different understanding around what is worship Mm -hmm. and then how then we do that, how we do worship and actually get on with the business of, of worshiping. But certainly in my formative years as a new Christian, the language kind of trained me to think about worship as this thing that I do on a Sunday. And so I go to worship and I go to a church. And actually in a lot of traditional churches, um, what will be offered at the beginning of a service is technically called within the liturgy, a call to worship. And so there might be a psalm that's read or a prayer that's offered. But if you're from any sort of high church background, like Anglican, Presbyterianism, Roman Catholic, there will almost always be a call to worship. So it's almost like this training us yeah, yeah. that this is the worship moment that we enter into. Now, then there's lots of cultural things that have impacted in on that particular word as well. And you mentioned music, like putting on a CD in your car. And I have to say, my car doesn't even have a CD player. No, so we're probably dealing with some yeah. old tech here if we're talking about <laughs> CDs. CDs, Ryan, what? But I, like, for example, like, I mean, I spent 10 years in North America where you learn very quickly that worship is actually just a genre of music within the wider music industry. And so that's a, it's a style of music, which is incredibly problematic because mm. it's assuming that only this type of music is worship. Is worship. Yeah. And it's the only way to connect with God as well. Uh, exactly. Or experience. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I have to tell you like a funny story. So my background before becoming a Christian was I loved like rave music, nightclubs, <laughs> dancing, all That's that stuff. That's real worship music, actually. Yeah. And actually, my friend and I discovered this church in London, England that was like a rave church, like a nightclub church. And so the people gathered there to worship Jesus, but there was a DJ and there was... And we were actually able to get our hands on, this is how long ago it was, a CD recording of one of their worship services. And it was just like, it was amazing. But that, like, that challenged me as a thinker and a new Christian around hold on a second, is worship more than what I understand it to be? Is it more than a style of music? Is it more than something that I do for an hour or 90 minutes if you're a Pentecostal or three and a half hours if you're African? You know, like what is worship more than just the gathering of God's people, whenever that is or wherever that is? And, And of course it is. But it's incredibly problematic then to widen out something that's been narrowed down so much. I mean, maybe I could just share with you guys a little bit of how that came to light for me and in my own life. So 
I could say I was at I was at Bible college at the time. Um, I was getting into like Matt Redman, Tim Hughes, all the like British worship guys. I loved listening to worship music. In fact, got to the point where like if I wanted to have a good quiet time, I had to like warm up with a little bit of, you know, blessed be your name or, you know, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so music was definitely an important part of shaping how I connected with the Lord and, and truthfully still is like, I still enjoy music as part of gathered congregational life. Um, not so much when I'm driving and things the way I used to, I like, I like podcasts. I like, you know, I even listen to the audio Bible. Like there's other ways that I found to engage, but I remember in those days, actually it was a scripture that really opened my thinking around the subject of worship. And it was fun from revelation four, which is the scene from heaven where John basically has this vision where he's elevated into the heavens. Now, we Which were just chatting about yeah, that before. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're about to read. And for me, this passage of scripture gave me the heebie-jeebies about, about heaven. Cause I like, look, I, I enjoy worship in song and all of those things. But for me, I remember reading this and thinking, goodness me, if this is what heaven's like. <laughs> I'm not too sure I want to go. Yeah. And we're just singing like <laughs> shout to the Lord on, cause you know, like for us as ministers, we, we have three gatherings a weekend. And so that means we, we we go through three sets of worship a weekend and often by the 25 minute mark of those worship sets. I'm, I'm ready to sit down. Like I'm, <laughs> and, and so I have moments thinking, oh, if, that, if that's what, maybe I'll go to the other place if that's what heaven's <laughs> like. You know, the idea of an eternal worship set. You know, like maybe my version of heaven is like, you know, playing a quiz night for eternity or I don't know, doing something that's challenging and, and has additional like, you, you know, problem solving. Or well, and, and I think we'll get into that a little yeah, bit yeah, later yeah, around yeah. work as worship and yeah, things yeah. like that. And yeah. actually, in my understanding of the kingdom that is to come, which is a lot more the language that I'm trying to use in my own yeah, thinking yeah. about what happens next yes, in God's yeah, yeah. timeline. Um, because we do have a bit of a strange, westernized, you know, modernized thought of what happens. When I go to heaven, I mean, that's a... Exactly. That's Streets a, of gold, singing forever, all those things. That, uh, that if you actually, you know, maybe there was maybe a time in history if you offered that to someone, they're like, well, I'll believe in Jesus because that, yeah. that sounds so much better than my life here. It's incredibly problematic to a contemporary generation who live for the most part, without suffering, yeah, you know, particularly, I mean, we're talking about within our own context, there's obviously lots of global suffering and challenges, but, you know, I don't think I'd be able to get anyone excited about God telling them about heaven. Yeah. Now let's, let's put a pin yeah. in that for a, another conversation on the afterlife. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do that another time. Segway. Yeah. Cause that's like, that's a whole totally. conversation. Yeah. And we should just clarify, we're not a group of heretics sitting no. here saying well, that there's, but it's definitely worthy of a conversation. (laughs) It it absolutely is. But yeah, I mean, so for sure, I mean, we would need some endurance to be able to sing forever, but (laughs) I I can't help but think in the kingdom that's to come that there'll be meaningful work that we will engage in and and things like that. But that's, again, let's put a pin in that for sure right now. But I, yeah, you had, you mean you joked about that, this scripture text, Revelation 4 being one that gave you the heebie-jeebies about this eternal worship service. And yeah, like we do three services on a Sunday. I mean, one of the things I find really helpful being new to like the Riverview multi-service um, ministry model is just keep reminding myself, it's somebody's first time. It's yes, somebody's first yes. time. And that gives me the inspiration to to push through and keep going. 
Anyway, as a young Christian, I was reading this verse and and these verses in Revelation 4, and you know them, right? Like everyone's gathered around the Lamb in heaven and the angels and, you know, these mystical creatures are proclaiming holy, holy, holy as the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In fact, that's probably a song that we sing, you know, at least 45 times in repetition at some point, um, you know, on, on on a normal Sunday. But it was actually the statement that they make beyond that where they talk about, it's verse 11 of chapter 4, it says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now I get that this message is given in the context of some form of heavenly worship experience, but as a young Christian, automatically that took me to not what was happening all around, but to who was at the center which was the Lamb of God, who's who's Jesus, who is the only one that's worthy. And so these verses actually spoke to me about the worth of Jesus, how worthy he is to receive our worship, the fact that I was created, the fact that I had a heartbeat, there was breath in my lungs because he had created me to worship him, that, that in that moment I realized that my whole life is worship. And if Jesus is truly the object of our worship and worthy of all our worship, then it has to be, has to be, has to be more than 25 minutes of a segment in a church service on a Sunday morning or even 10 minutes of a quiet time, you know, on a daily basis. Like if he is truly worthy of all worship and I was created to worship him, then this is bigger than the things that I do that are religious, it has to be. So that's kind of where I got to. And also, like, I know we're talking about, like, worship in your work, but it's actually, like, even bigger than that. You know, it's bigger than your work. It's bigger than that 15 minutes on a Sunday. But it's about, like, who you're becoming and is it more Christ-like and, I mean, is it about actually, like, who you are as a person and what you're what you're giving? I think so, Julia. Like, that's where, I think that's where I would lie today as, a, you know, 42, almost 43-year-old, 43 by the time this makes it into hey, uh, circulation, is that I'm actually, I think it's an identity thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I absolutely do have, have understanding, again, back to who made us and why. He yeah. made us within the grand scheme of things. And and the value that's on our place in our lives as worshippers, but then our our calling, our duty, our way of life as being something that we bring to him as an offering. And it is it's a whole of life thing, which includes gathering with the saints, yeah. Yeah, yeah. singing songs that declare how wonderful and beautiful and worthy he is, and hearing his word and having our lives transformed. They're they're all an important yeah. part yeah, yeah, yeah. of it. But it's definitely a whole life thing. Mm. And I think if you don't understand that as a Christian, in a way, like you're relying on this euphoric 15 minute thing and this taking of an experience, you know, like I'll go in and I'll get some, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'll be like, I don't want to miss worship, but it's like, well, why don't you worship with your kids like 10 minutes ago before the service? Or, And I think, you know, particularly for people that are going through tougher situations, it's hard to stand there and sing and feel good and feel like you're glorifying God. So what happens when that's gone, when that's stripped away? If you're not really truly understanding that your identity is about glorifying God, then what, your Christianity could be sort of wavering there. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like no, shaking. absolutely. You're, you're bang on. And I mean, you're speaking to the 
the very real truth of the experience, mm. which is, you know, let's take, for example, when we gather on a Sunday morning here, let's just assume, you know, 600 people show up on one of our services. I mean, realistically, most people have rushed out of a busy life, mm. have rushed through the space of getting their kids ready, yeah. probably having a fight with their spouse yeah. on the way to here, <laughs> trying to get their kids into kids ministry. I mean, actually, they just have ha haven't had a chance to breathe all week. Some of them work in multiple jobs, a big international community like ours, where with people from all over the world, lots of them have family that are not even with them because of visas. They're, you know, halfway around the world somewhere else. Like there's... We're a burden-bearing community, and so it's super naive to think that everyone's now hitting the zone, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in worship, and we're having a great time. Yeah, it, it for me actually, we sing and we do all that stuff, but truthfully, I think it's just about creating. Why we do that without maybe saying why is to create a space for the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Yeah, <laughs> not so much us to even minister no, to no. the Holy and, Spirit and, and as we actually need yeah. Him to recalibrate totally. our lives a little bit and mm. to to love on us a little bit. Like as a father, yeah. you know the way that we love as a mother, Julie. The way you love on your kids, they don't even know sometimes they need that, yeah. and but you lavish and and Scripture talks to that. First John about how the Father lavishes His love upon us I, mm. I'm at the place of thinking that's a lot of what happens on a Sunday morning you know yeah. it, it's actually we joked earlier about maybe Sunday's unworship maybe we're worshipping all yes. week yeah. and then we come we <laughs> worship and, and, we break, do like, and then we come and... to be loved and yeah. to actually have the Father lavish His love upon us because you know that it is tricky to imagine you know how like how is what we do here for an hour on a Sunday actually give glory to God? No, we're totally. Singing some songs, yeah, we're and, preaching and, some yeah, sermons. Totally. And I think the challenge we have sometimes with our, our language is by saying, hey, this is our ga our worship gathering. What we sometimes unwillingly don't say is, well, the rest of your week is not as important as this moment. Now, that's not to say, like, the way that we gather is actually really important. And we should continue to do it. But if that's the most important moment of the week, that means 95% of the rest of your life is unimportant and, you know, God's not receiving glory in it. Now, I would hate to think that 95% of my life is wasted. And, and I don't think it is, but I think in having a, a broader understanding of what worship is, it means that my whole being is redeemed. And the gathering moment actually takes different shape. It's no longer, you know, an opportunity to come together for this, you know, 3% of my week to give worship to God, but it's actually to come together with God's people to be loved by God and be loved by God's people. And also, I mean, songs and prayer and word is such an amazing way for us to be shaped and formed by God as well. Um, we were speaking about that Romans 12 as well just before, weren't we, mm. about... Um, it sort of says, you know, like by wor you know worshiping God is like making sure that you're um, giving your giftings, right? Mm. So it's like if you're an encourager, be an encourager. If mm. you're a teacher, be a teacher. Like, and that is honoring of God. Mm. Like, you know, mm, like leaning into the. Well, and uh, maybe we would jump back a little bit even to the the Genesis picture, which I think is great because we've we've heard a little bit of almost revelations of this redeemed picture of what worship looked like. But I feel like in Genesis, you also get a unique picture as to what this Eden-like space was designed for. And I, I feel like Genesis 1 through to 11, like if you, 
if you haven't read read it or haven't reread it, it is just some of the most helpful text in understanding where we are in the world as humans and why we are the way we are as humans and the struggles that we face. And I think in Genesis, particularly Genesis 1 through 3, so much of God's purpose and God's gift to us as humans is revealed. And it's super interesting because so much of the language is around God giving humans unique purpose, that he doesn't give any other you know, Animal, animals yeah. in, in creation. He gives humans this unique purpose. Mm. And it's really interesting that the, the purpose is to partner with him in working, or some scholars would say that it's actually in, in worshiping, in partnering with him, in bringing beauty out of the chaos of the world, in, in bringing out the potential that's in the world. And so humans actually image God through the way that they go about their work. And for me, like, that's good gospel news that, like, now in the 21st century West, the thing that I spend maybe two-thirds of my life doing, if not more, like, I'm going to spend more time at work than than I'm going to spend doing anything else, that in Jesus' name, that thing is now redeemed and that thing is something that can actually be honoring of God. Like, I feel like that is such good news. Like the idea that my work can actually be worship. So the way that I show up on a Monday morning at my job can actually be the way in which I honor God and actually maybe honor God best. That could be my best place of worship because, you know, when I'm at work, I honor God because, yeah, I'm aware of his presence, but I also honor God because the way I go about my work is partnering with him it's bringing order from chaos. It's doing the things that God has done for the blessing of others. You know, so my work now is is shaped around honoring Jesus. I mean, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, in First Corinthians ten, talks about you know whatever you do, whether eating or drinking, Hallelujah, somebody, <laughs> do it, do it for the glory of God. Yeah. Like do it as though you're honoring the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Like, I mean, what what would that look like if Everything, like, because there's lots of things I do where I I don't. Yeah, you know, okay. but, but let, let's let's just like let's play around with this a little yeah, bit. This yeah, idea, yeah, if that's yeah. okay, because there are some challenges in that. Like, yes. for example, uh, the contemporary work life. Yeah, is very different. You know, you don't necessarily have a career anymore. Like mm. most people, average in the Western world, will work seven years somewhere mm. and then go do something else. Mm. Right. So, like. Mm. Entering into a different way of thinking, like maybe back in the day, you're a banker. You became a banker at 20. Yeah, you worked yeah. a whole career in yeah. one bank, and so you could almost wrap a sense of vocation around that mm. uh, from a theological perspective of like a calling to to the finance industry. Mm. But it, we live in a modern world where people are working from home, working randomly mm. online. Mm. Social media is a job, um, or yeah, you yeah. know, or you spend. Couple of hours last night, ran playing FIFA on the PlayStation, hey, PS Five. Hey, come on, somebody! It's worship. It's worship. Yeah, I'll tell my wife. That so, and this is where I, well, this is where <laughs> I think the gen- this is where I think the Genesis thing is helpful, but also just like a part of the of the journey mm-hmm. of going, like of because of all of life is worship, then. That includes work, but it's not just work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's learning to be a worshiper in play. 
Yeah. yeah. Learning to be a worshiper in rest. Yeah. yeah. Learning to be a worshiper on, on holiday. Yeah. Learning to be a worshiper in your marriage, in your love mm. life. Mm. You know, that all of life as yeah. parenting is worship. Yeah. Neighboring yeah. is worship. Yeah. You know, having aging parents and how you engage with that is worship all of life. So it truly is, it's a, it's a deeply formed piece mm. of what it means to be, to be a Christian. Mm. One of the sh- one of the big shifts that's happened for me back to the, in the Genesis piece is what we're really playing with there is the idea of shalom, mm. right? That before mm. the fall, there is shalom, and peace with mm. God, and obviously beyond the fall is not. But part of the redeeming mission of God in the world is the return to that shalom, mm. Mm. Um, which is peace and prosperity, mm. right? Like. Um, Jeremiah, God's people in exile, pray for the peace and prosperity of the city to which mm. I have called you. Mm. In other words, be ambassadors of shalom where you are. And so I think one of the best ways that we think about worship as followers of Jesus is how are we ambassadors here mm. for another kingdom? Yeah. Right. And what does that mean and look like that we represent a world that doesn't truly exist? Mm. But actually, we've been sent on behalf of that world mm. as kingdom ambassadors to begin to live out another way of yeah, of life, you know. And then the other piece, the other piece that I found really helpful. I mean, this is just very personal to me, but you you know that a lot of my passion in life uh, that really flushed itself out through my doctoral studies was the whole idea of friendship with God, mm. friendship in general, mm. but friendship with God. And that redemption story of like Adam and Eve mm. operating in friendship with God mm. pre-fall and then all these moments of like almost restored friendship, you know, with Abraham and Moses, David, mm. um, but up to this beautiful moment in, in the, in the upstairs room, um, Jesus and the disciples before the cross, breaking bread, washing feet. And Jesus says, I don't call you servants any longer. I call you friends. Mm. And just yeah, this awesome. redemption of friendship. And one of the things that I'm, the journey, part of the journey I'm on at the moment is trying to learn, how do I, what does worship mean in the context of, I'm, I'm not a friend of God. Yeah. And so what does that mean or look like mm. and how I even mm. relate to him, mm. be with him, you know, Mm. enjoy relationship yeah. with him because that feels very different than almost like what was auto-programmed in me and before it's like god's at the front and i'm moving towards him in yeah. some sort of like old testament idea of altar and mm. you know covenant and all that stuff it's like no it's different than that now because the god of the universe has taken up residence in me mm by his Holy Spirit taking up residence in each of you guys and all of us who he resides within us by his spirit and his spirit and our spirit, you know, we call him Abba, Father. So there's this like intimacy Mm. of actually the one who dwells within us. And then he offers us friendship. And I, those things have really rattled me Mm. in terms of thinking how I relate to him because before it, it always felt like it was a, right, I need to get my head right before I come to worship. I need to get my heart right. I need to mm. get things sorted and then I'm ready to come. Whereas <laughs> like, there's no coming to worship. Like yeah. the God of the universe lives yeah. inside of me. Yeah, that's great. So what's that mean? You know, and, and so yeah. it really fragments the idea of worship. Mm. I wonder if part of it is, you know, learning to 
Because again, if God is in us and with us, it's learning to be present. It's less about him being present. He's there, but it's learning to be present to him. But at the same time, being present to the thing that you're putting your, your hand to. And if you can do those two things well, I feel like you can worship in in everything. Like I, we were talking briefly before, Jules, like I remember when I was in, living in Canada and I worked as a barista for a, a part of my time there. And it was pretty embarrassing because I was getting paid like so little. And I remember because, you know, I was studying, I was wrestling through lots of big questions. I remember really wrestling through like, what's the purpose of this? Am I here just to make money that, you know, is not enough to pay my rent, but, you know, it might help a little bit? Or am I here just so that I can, you know, say, oh, you, you should come to church on weekend and be there as an evangelist, you know? And I really wrestled through it. And I kind of came to the conclusion, I'm there to make awesome coffee and to be present to a community of people who come to buy coffee. And as I do that, of course, I'm a kind of a, a, a citizen of a different alternate kingdom and a different way of being in the world and, a, you know, have a different one that I'm worshiping. But what if a big part of that time and that space was learning to be present to God and present to people and part of the gifting was just to make awesome coffee, to not, to not belittle the thing I was doing and learning to go, well, is, like, is all of this, is me pulling shots and steaming milk just a waste? Like it's all wasted. Or can I actually express my honor of God by just making something beautiful you know, finding these raw potential, these beans and this milk and actually turning it into something that's amazing. Like, Because I feel like we honor and image God as we are creative and we bring order from chaos and lean into those things. And that was a big wrestling journey because I, like, I was like, no, this actually does matter. And so every time I show up, I'm going to show up and be present to the people I'm yeah, working with. That's really good. Present to God. And, and you're an image bearer, just like, you know, that's an important thing. Like we mm. are image bearers of the one that we worship, like in some way reflecting mm. who mm. he is to to non-worshippers or to mm. people who don't, who worship something else. Yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, I'd really love to hear from Julia around what this looks like in her world yeah, yeah. Mm. as a young mom, but also being married to a worship leader. You know, and I'm doing the little finger quote things yeah, there. Because yeah. uh, actually, I mean, I joke about this all the time, but I think I think Julia's husband is like so gifted and mm. leading God's people in worship. Mm. And you just know, like for him, part of the reason why he is on this planet is to do that. Mm -hmm. right? Like he has, he's been gifted in it, mm. called to do it and does it so, so well. Mm. Um does this conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how does this conversation land in, in your space? Yeah. We actually spoke about this last night and we were talking about the sincerity of when we worship because I think, you know, Dan's an amazing singer, whether he was singing like Justin Bieber or, you know, worship, um, mm. he would still be a good singer. Do you know what I mean? But I think he particularly has a calling to worship lead, you know. And when I say worship lead, I mean sing songs and mm -hmm. allow the people to connect th to God through the through mm -hmm. the singing. Um yeah, I mean it's a huge part of our world because we've constantly got 
music playing in our mm. house and often, and we're guilty of it, just like many people of going, oh, let's get to worship, you know, like this is the way we <laughs> connect with God and our house has got worship music going through it and we genuinely feel that there's like a sense of peace that comes through our house when we play worship music, songs or whatever. Um, but we're very aware that, you know, who we are, how we treat people, um, following what we feel like God is calling us to do is also worship, you yeah. know, like, um, and that for Dan is his sort of area. And then mine is maybe more with people, you know, like, and we just follow yeah, God's cool. blessing on that. Um, and that's, that's sort of how we sort of. I really like that. Cause for me, what you've summarized that is that I think that it's both. Yeah, yeah. In a way, it's 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 what we currently do, and we do it in different ways, right? Different churches have different ways of connecting mm, yeah. to <clears throat> the Lord. Um, you know, Baptists stand on their tiptoes and they get really excited. Pentecostals have their <laughs> hands in the air. You know, the brethren background that I'm from, people sit around a table every week and just break bread, and that's mm. how how they do it. Um, and you know, but there's something like you don't want to take away like that's I, part of the risk of conversations like this is that we're seemingly trying to deconstruct totally you yeah. know and for mm -hmm. me it's like no no we want to celebrate that but we're what we're trying to say is we think there's more yeah, yeah. and our yeah. language we we want to recognize that our language mm. hinders us because we all probably think something different when we mean when we say yeah. worship yeah. we gather for worship we mm. sing worship songs yeah. But all Come of life is worship yeah, yeah all of life is worship yeah. and yeah. actually listening to a sermon is worship as much as singing songs, you know, I have to say that because I'm a preacher. Oh, and so I'm preaching people. a sermon. Uh, yeah, so yeah. as preaching a sermon, you know, it's like yeah. all of yeah. that. And, and I think, like, Julia, there's something you told me a few weeks ago about, I'm sorry to throw this on the podcast, but Dan was learning this new song in your home. Yeah. And you come into the room and he's just weeping at the piano yeah. Yeah. while he learns this you song. You told me not to tell this story. Did he tell you not to tell <laughs> that story? Sorry, it's don't coming don't. on. Sorry, Dan. Uh, sorry, Dan. But that touched me so deeply because it just spoke to mm. something that I think that is often lost in the world of worship music, whereas people think that what is happening there is performance. Yes. And particularly if that, if that, performance is done at a very high level yeah you know that then mm. people don't assume that it's, it's authentic and real and totally. sincere and it's just a big show yeah you know and that's often what people will say particularly about larger churches you know oh mm. your worship's just a big show yeah as if because if it's not out of tune and you know not ropey as yeah then it's not authentic no, it's not and whatever you know yeah. and there's just a it's not that it's there's a yeah. sincerity to mm. this as well yeah. and, and i would say that for a lot of the worship leaders on there and i'm only going to speak with dan because i see the behind the scenes i suppose you could say but mm. like that happens a lot you know dan will sit and he'll pray like whilst he's worshiping and singing songs like he will sit there and pray about it and I mean literally before he goes out sometimes he's like I'm worried that I'm not gonna be able to like sing because I'll be crying <laughs> crying <laughs> but I'm like but that's you worshiping like yeah. you know yeah. you expressing yourself and your emotions like that's you worshiping um mm. which is quite beautiful and and you're totally right like song and for Dan and I we're both very creative we're both mm. very expressive and so we really connect to God and feel and and I'm again we're talking about worship and it's sort of like I'm talking about us taking from it again which is just I've got to change my mind in that but you know we both connect through music but Ryan you don't you connect mm. through something else you know like and God's made us all so differently yeah, yeah. 
and he's designed worship to be such a spectrum. Well, here's the grace of worship, right? And that's what I was, I guess, trying to get at a little bit because you mm. were kind of feeling, you know, the the guilt there of yeah. I, how I feel about that yeah. is that, you know, I actually do think that um, while God is worthy of our worship, he doesn't need it, right? We're talking no. about someone who is mm. our you know, God is completely sufficient. Mm. So when we when we are not able to bring it, it's not like he's like, oh, I am Missing less than it. worthy. Mm. It's actually, it, there's a grace in worship where I think he somehow uses that experience to pour out, like I said earlier, and lavish his love on us, mm. Mm. right? And I think that comes down to like how the kingdom works. Mm. Yeah, Because yeah. one of the most important lessons that the first followers, the disciples of Jesus had to learn was that freely you've received now freely give. Yeah. And mm. that's at the very heart of generosity, you know, that we have to understand. We we will never be generous until we understand that we we need to receive. Mm. Part of generosity is actually receiving mm. in us receiving from the Lord so that we mm. can give. And yes, so awesome. I actually do I more and more convinced that a lot of what has to happen in that like gathering experience mm. is that we're receiving. From and, the Lord. and maybe like it was designed that way altogether, you know, like because we're talking about relationship and friendship, and that's of, often two ways, you know. And so, if, you know, God designed worship, like maybe it was meant to be mm. a two way street. Not that, you know, He needs it, but it was like He enjoys the fact that we get and we give and we get. I and think so. Also. I think that's yeah. part of the grace of it, absolutely. And, and that interaction. And, and then as I heard Julia speak there just around, you know, the way that she connects with God through mm. that space. Mm. And then, you know, Ryan, you love to like, you know, you're a heady guy. And so you like to be challenged and do lots of thinking and thinking's part of your worship. Is that I, I also wonder if it's a helpful way to think about worship as just a spiritual practice. Yeah. Yeah. Just like all the spiritual practice yeah. that the church yeah. have had for shaping and forming our lives yeah. after yeah. Jesus. Yeah like fasting, prayer, yeah. you know, silence, yeah. all these, there's, I mean, there's hundreds of ways that we can yeah. engage with God. And I just wonder if gathering is a very important one because it's it's a ministry of being together. Mm. So whereas a lot of other practices you can do by yourself yeah. and yeah. we are actually a body. And so that is incredibly important. But I wonder if it would be helpful for us to begin to think it's just part of the way. Yeah. Yeah. That God shapes yeah. us. Yeah, Jules, you said something earlier off air we were talking about it. And I remember I wrote it down. You said practicing worship, like it's something we actually need to practice. And I actually think that's really, really helpful because we practice worship in every part of our lives. But there's also an important practice that happens when we come together. And you know, like as someone who, you know, self-proclaimed, you know, not a not necessarily a music person, there is something really special when 600 people gather on a 9 a.m time and we we declare who God is in shared harmony. I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. And it doesn't and, even need to be 600 people, right? No, like, no. Totally. I mean, I, let me tell you about how I became a follower of Jesus. Like I walked into a little church with like maybe somewhere between 50 and 100 people singing and praising and the Holy Spirit, like as I walked through the doors, just hit me with a sense of I am here. Um, there's the scripture speaks to how God inhabits the praises of yeah. his people, you know, and so there's just something about his presence, whether that's 10 people, 50 people, 100 people, 600 people. There is there is power beyond our understanding when we gather together and when we proclaim 
who Jesus is because he is he is worthy and all power and glory and honor and strength belong to him. So part of the challenge that we're now facing as leaders and you know and that obviously I'm a good chunk older than you guys but you're coming through as emerging leaders as well is that you know we're we're making disciples of the next generation and they're coming from a space of having been fine-tuned, shaped and trained to think that worship is just this one piece. And we we almost need to re-engineer if we're going to help them become deeply devoted, fully formed followers of Jesus. Like we have to start this conversation with the next generation to help them understand maybe what we just we just did without thinking. You know, we need to bring a little bit of I think intentionality to that and how we start shaping and forming our children and our youth. You know, I have a couple of kids. And so I'm very, for example, language is really important. So I never say to the kids, we're going to church because I really believe we don't go to church, right? We are the church. You guys hear me say that all the time. So that I also like really never talk about when I talk to my kids about gathering on Sunday with, with the Lord's people. I never talk about that being dad's work. Because I think it's really important that they understand that I'm a follower of Jesus too, who gathers with Jesus's people so that in their minds, they don't grow up thinking that worship is something we go to and dad works in the world of worship. Um, and even though I do and everyone understands that it's because our language is always limits us. It's really important. So I'm very intentional about that with my kids, but I think we need to start getting more intentional about that just in how we lead the next generation in general, which is why I am a little bit, you know, finicky about our language. Um, you know, and I'll give you a good example of this. We're working through a little bit of our bringing clarity to our mission statement. And so when we gather on a Sunday, we talk about we're a good news community on mission. We're loving God. We're following Jesus and we're being transformed. And you'll notice that we don't use the word worship in that statement. And that's where what I'm trying to do is take a word that's so filled with meaning that is all over the place and just like, let's just set that word to the side for a little bit. Now, at some point, the time will come to redeem that. Um, but we're, we're going to try and move forward without using that word just until we can bring some clarity to, to our language. Well, guys, that's all for today. Thank you for joining us. And if you have any questions or you just want to, get in contact with us. We'd love that. I'd definitely love that. Say hi. Say hi. Say what you thought of the podcast. Just go to podcast.com. No, podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you go, Ryan. Pod- no, no, no. Jules, I, what do you think it is? Podcast. <laughs> no, no, podcast. At. At riverviewchurch.com.au. Boom. There you go. Boom. Yeah, send, a, send us your misheard worship lyrics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Send us your uh, Mike crosses do. and your Murray Demons. We'll have a good laugh uh, at that. Hey, look, if you're in the Perth metro area, or even, you know, you're, you're from out of town, you just you stopped in, want somewhere to come and gather and maybe not worship, but maybe sing some songs together and... <laughs> or maybe the whole time will be a time of worship. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Without song. Yes. Anyway, we get together on Sundays in Perth and Burswood at 9 and 11 a.m. and at 5 p.m. as well. So you've got some choice there. Stop on by. Mm, what a time. Well, it's been great having the chats. Jules, as always, thanks for joining us. Reese. always a good time. Peace. Thanks, everyone. We hope you had a wonderful time listening. Until next time, keep having some good conversations. See ya. Bye-bye.
right now.